Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Here's the secret. So you get like the frog tape, the good tape. And if you're buying the cheap white tape, you're already, you're already going to cause a problem. So you get what you pay for with tape. So get some good tape. So you'll run your straight line of your tape down. And I like to not do little sections, but pull the tape out. So you got a couple feet to work with, get it straight. And then, you know, push it down with your thumb. Now, once you've got it taped, then go back with caulk and caulk your tape line. So that keeps anything from going under the tape, any paint. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, your source for home improvement every single week. Thanks for joining us. We've got a DIY kind of special going today, don't we, Caroline? Yes, because we took a poll, and our listeners want more DIY. So we're going to give it to you. And we've got a lot of tricks. We've got a ton for you today, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Plus, we've got a little internet um, new Wi-Fi coming out that we'll talk about later in this hour. So we've got a lot for you today in the show. And I wanted to start out by painting, because it's some, it's a time of year inside that People are looking around going, okay, the weather's not good for outdoor projects, but what can I do to make this house look a little bit better inside, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm a sloppy painter. I give it away right away. Up front. I'm telling you, messy as all heck. Don't come to me for your painting needs. I just can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. You are a messy painter. Julie's a messy <laughs> painter as well. I've got some good tricks that a lot of people don't know about. And I've caught them from other painters. Uh, there's a guy that I've followed on YouTube called the Idaho, Idaho Painter that's really mm. good. He's one of the, the painting YouTube stars. Nice. Now, one of the things that you're like doing an accent wall, you know, where you've got two colors, maybe the ceiling's one color, the walls are different, or you're going to do that accent wall. Trying to get that line perfect. Oh, is hard because you get paint on either side, right? Mess in my house. That would be like blue in one <laughs> corner over on beige or Carrington beige, as exactly. the name of the paint would be. Oh, yeah. So here's the secret. So you get like the frog tape, the good tape. And if you're buying the cheap white tape, you're already you're already going to cause a problem. So <laughs> you get what you pay for with tape. So get some good tape. So you'll run your straight line of your tape down. And I like to not do little sections, but pull the tape out. So you got a couple feet to work with, get it straight and then, you know, push it down with your thumb. Now, once you've got it taped, then go back with caulk and caulk your tape line. So that keeps anything from going under the tape, any paint. So right in that corner, let's say you have a corner and you're meeting it, right? You're going to run the tape all the way down that corner and then go back and corner and corner caulk all the way down again 
on the interior side. Doesn't take much. Just going to seal off that tape to hmm. give you the perfect line. Then you wait your 30 minutes or so, whatever the caulking says on it, and then you can paint. Now, one of the other prep tricks that I do is you do that around everything, up against the molding, ceiling, if you've got a different color, all those areas uh, that you don't want to get paint to, and it works out really well. Wait, so you're obviously using a silicone, right? Some type of silicone caulk that's not painted here. No, because silicone paint doesn't stick to silicone, so you can't use the silicone caulk. So what do you use? So you have to use a latex-based or a latex-modified caulk because a silicone, you if you paint, Can't paint, paint over silicone, it, right? it won't stick to it. That's yeah. why I was thinking you would use it because it would keep the paint away from that crevice. But you're saying, no, you actually don't want to use it. No. Hmm. You have to use a latex-based caulk because otherwise you'll have this weird line because you're going you're gonna to be – you're taping it to protect the other surface. Mm-hmm. And so you would have – uh, an area that would be all funky because the paint wouldn't stick to the silicone. So you have to use a paintable caulking right there. And you want something that's going to dry pretty quick too, because you're not worried about it, you know, sealing it off too much. It's going to seal off the paint to go underneath the tape. That's all you're trying to do. How does it look when you pull and that off gives the you tape? a really good edge. Like when you pull well, when it you off, pull does the- it all come off? Well, no, because it's going to be stuck to the wall. So when you pull the tape off, you actually want to, pull the tape back and bend it towards itself. So if you're painting, you want to pull down with that. And so you're pulling kind of away from that to give you a good clean edge. And that's how that works. So it's pretty cool. I got it. So you're, the caulk is staying there permanently. It's going right in the it's line. Staying there you're leaving there. And that's going to give you your lip, the edge, so it doesn't bleed over into the other color. Ah, now I now you've got the sharp line. I take a little Now, while one to get little it. trick that I like to do. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> it's good us to explain to everybody so they can understand it here. One other thing that I do, especially on older homes, like not a brand new one, but if you've got something that's got a couple, you know, um, it's got a couple paints on it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People tend to not do the prep work correctly. So it's always good to take a scraper and scrape off all the little bumps and nicks and, and weird stuff because. You know what happens is it's so many times people go, oh, I'm going to I'm going to paint this wall. They spackle it. They let it dry and they never sand it. Right. So you got all these mm-hmm. lumps and crazy bumps stuff. and shadows. I go through and oh, yeah, clean it all up. Good time to do it. And you'll be shocked if you go to a wall that's got a texture on it and you start knocking the bumps and weird stuff off of the of the sins of previous paint jobs. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of stuff. You can make a little bit of a mess with that. That's why you got a shop vac. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So you want to scrape that, spackle it, sand it. Now, one other painting tip is when you're doing multiple coats, which you need to, I'll be honest, the dream of a one coat finish is just, you're not going to get it on there. You're just not. Give up not trying to do it in one coat. And don't go buy the paint and primer in one either. That's what I was just going to say. What about the paint and primer all in one? You know, it does give you better adhesion. It will give you a little more stain blocking power. But when you need primer, you need primer and you want to get a primer. Now, some of the primers, your paint store might tint that primer for you. So that'll help. So if you're painting a dark gray wall... If you can, if your primer that you're using will accept a tint, it's kind of nice to be able to put some gray in it. 
that might save you another coat of paint. So mm. you're not painting this dark color over a white. So ask them if you can tint your primer. That's great. I've never done you that. You got it. And a lot of times they'll go, I've oh, sure, yeah. Makes it easier. Now, mm. one other thing, too, is you'll see people say, oh, put in some of that, like, Floatrol, the stuff to make the paint dry slower when you're trying to do edges. Nah, mm-hmm. look at your paints. Most of the paints that I'm working with now are saying don't put any additives to it, that you don't want to do that because you will actually hurt the durability of the finish. So nothing against those guys as a company, but most of the that was really good when you had to spray something and you had to thin it down to get it to the sprayer. Not anymore. The sprayers will spray all that stuff. I'm going to throw something in there because I've had a couple clients do this. The prep is important too, because if you have something on the wall underneath, like some people like to use air fresheners and different products, you want to make sure that's off because if it can mix with your paint and you can get a chemical reaction and then you're repainting the whole room and removing drywall. So you don't want to mix chemicals together. You're better off going with the manufacturer's recommendations on paints because you can really create an issue. Absolutely. And you've got a painting product project coming up too, don't you? You got a, a slider that you're going to paint. I do. And it was a mess up. So when the slider originally went in, the doors were obviously disconnected and you could paint them easily and they weren't in. And so I, you know, there was ivory white, simply white. I forget the other, there were a couple different whites and I picked the wrong one and it didn't match our trim. So now we've got to pull that door. And Eric and I were talking about this previously. What do you do when your slider's in? How do you paint the doors again? And so there's kind of no secret tip. You got to pull those doors and and repaint, correct? Yeah. And I would, if you can, I would spray them because you just end up with a better look. So I would get in there, sand it really nicely, get all the brush marks off of it or any texture to it. If you have any wood that's shown, prime that area and then mask it off really well. And I would just spray it. Mm. All right. When we come back. Let's talk a little bit more about some great DIY projects that you can tackle. And some of those insider tips, we'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is not your grandfather's home improvement show. This is where we take that deep dive into a subject. And we're having fun today with DIY Caroline. You know, we've been talking a lot about the different projects that you can tackle. And appliances is one that we shouldn't be too scared of. Yeah, I need to do some projects around my house. But there's things that go wrong. And we were talking about you know, maybe you need a knob, maybe you need a new filter for your dryer, your dryer filter cracks, you need to clean out the dryer. These are things that just are general maintenance, but then also things, you know, you don't have to always call in the, you know, your appliance guy or woman to come see, to fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things you can do, you know, you can jump online, of course, and there's a, there's a hundred different places online that you can buy, Appliance parts, and a lot of it depends on what brand you have, because sometimes you have to work directly with the manufacturer to get the real stuff. Sometimes there's aftermarket parts. Many times there's a, a parts house in your area that you can just take the piece down to and go up to the counter and go, 
I need one of these and they'll help you find that part. Filters are a big thing because you need to replace a lot of filters. So I find like my, I have a downdraft, unfortunately, in my house where we, you know, that filter gets gunked up with food Uh. and nest and I've got to pull it apart and clean it and cleaning it just doesn't work. So that's a big one. My dryer. You know, my secret to that. I run those to the dishwasher. Do you? That's interesting. Yeah. I like running those filters, those metal yeah, filters. nasty. I run them to the dishwasher. and to- Yeah, that gets some clean. Take a look to make sure yours can run through there. But most of those you can run through the dishwasher. And it just takes all that, that junk That grease and nasty that gets caked into if you have a downdraft. That is like the worst combination of of kind of filtration you can have, I think. I, I'd much rather have a something going upstream. But unfortunately, the way my house is set up, that's not a possibility. So, um, yeah, downdrafts are, mm-hmm. are the worst yes. hood. They're better than no hood, but they're exactly. the worst hood. And appliances, my dryer, I always seem to have issues and I can't stress enough. I want people to go in and clean out those dryers. They get caked. When you take out that filter underneath where that filter comes out, it gets caked because it wraps around until it finally reaches your, you know, exhaust, right? And that pipe, it will get caked with stuff and it's a fire hazard. So take yours apart. It's not that overwhelming. I mean, I did it, you know, I'm not Eric. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then make sure that you've got that dryer line cleaned up. You can go down to the home center and buy the little brushes. And what I do is I turn the dryer onto air dry and then go outside and take the cover off or just slide that flexible brush up inside of it. And you can run that brush up into it. And man, I tell you what, the junk that's going to put some safety glasses <laughs> on and a respirator or a, or a mask because you're going to have lint coming out you <laughs> like nobody's business. And you should be doing that like, you know, twice, yeah, a, twice year. a year. Is good. They say every couple years, but mm-hmm. I say, you know, really do it. And another maintenance tip that we talk about a lot on this show, but I want to bring it up again. If you have that front load washing machine, when was the last time you cleaned out the filter on it? Yes, you have to do this. And a lot of people go, filter? <laughs> now, I had an old GE front loader that was probably a decade old. And that one, I had to actually get the screwdriver out and take the bottom panel off on it to get to that because it was hiding behind it. And so I'd have to take four screws out, and then I'd empty this out. And me, being a DIY guy and, and doing stuff, you know, if I put my jeans in with with like a couple of screws in them or something like that or or clips in the filter. or anything like that or, or coins, it all gets hung up in that filter. Now, here's the other thing. If a bobby pin goes through, filter catches it. Not a big deal. It keeps the pump protected. But what happens is, is once you get a couple pieces in there, it starts to grab every piece of hair. Yes. kind of product that would normally go out into the drain. So that gets gunked up. And the more stuff that gets in there, the more it gets gunked up. And it's just like a filter medium. It traps everything. But if you have a top loader, you will not have the filter. Only front loader. No. uh, Just because what ends up happening is the holes in the drum end up being the filter. And that keeps enough stuff out of the pump that you don't hurt it. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's there for. So if you've got the front loader and it's running and you notice that, man, my towels are coming out wet or I'm getting a little bit of water in the bottom of the drum, before you call the service person, clean that filter out. Nice. And you might be shocked. You know, my new one, my new LG's got a little uh, door down there that I flip open 
and they really designed it so you can clean it and uh, get a pan because it'll put anywhere from a quart to a gallon of water out there, depending on how much it's plugged up. So you want to make sure and capture that. Make sure you're throwing your enzyme cleaners in all of your top loaders or your front loaders. You need to clean off the scum that gets inside the drum. You have a drum inside of a drum. So when you look down in, it looks really clean. But if you stick your flashlight in the side and look through, you can see that there's actually another tub that surrounds your tub that cleans your clothes. And that tub gets gunked up with Soap scum, bacteria, mold, I mean, anything you can imagine. And that needs to be cleaned off because if you don't, it'll actually raise your mold levels in your house. And Eric and I have had clients that their mold levels were sky high and it was all due to these washing machines. Gross. Now, I've seen front loaders and top loaders both have this problem in different ways. I've seen the top loaders where people primarily use cold water in in their stuff. That soap tends to yeah. not get rinsed out in that drum as well. So that starts sticking to the inside of the drum in there. And oh man, I've, I've done some repairs on those and they get nasty. It's like black if scum. If you take off the front, the you can see it. Like if you just drum. take the screws off and pull the front of your washer off and look in, you'll see all the debris that's just embedded into that. And your clothes are sloshing around in that. It's not the direct tub, but it's the one underneath it. So you really need to do this. And just from an indoor air quality standpoint, if you have mold allergies, one, you'll end up with this stuff in your laundry. You'll end up breathing it in in your house and it can get really high. Like I just had an example of somebody who had a 700 count of mold in their home all due to this washing machine. Foul. See, and that's crazy. I mean, my house, that's one of the things that when I got this washer that I liked is it has a, you run the enzymes through it and clean it, but it also has a steam cycle. So it fills that whole thing up with steam and that steam kills any mold or anything else in it. So it steams the inside. It's like a three hour cycle. So it's steaming <laughs> the inside of that thing for three hours. So it is nothing's living through that by the time that's, that's good because it gets to the top, you know, like in a, in a top loader, the water only gets to a certain level and you'll get scum up above it that starts to grow and you can never get it out, right? Because even if you throw the enzyme cleaner in, it's only going to a certain level. So definitely get these washers, service your washers and dryers. They cause a lot of health problems. They end up having all kinds of allergens that get trapped in there. And then of course, a danger is a fire hazard with the lint. So key, just this is a DIY that everybody needs to be doing. Now, when we come back, Caroline, we're going to be talking about the internet. There's a whole white high-speed internet that's coming out across the country, which is a 6E that's going to make us watching movies and playing games online so much easier. We'll talk to the experts of that right when we come back, and then we're going to dive right back into DIY projects just as soon as Around the House returns. And you're listening to Around the House with Eric G. to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is where we talk home improvement every weekend. And I got a special guest here 
This is going to be fun because, in full disclosure, I am a Comcast Xfinity user at my house, my studio. And when there's new technology coming out that affects smart homes, gaming, all that stuff, it's a big deal. And we're going to talk about it. We've got Kunle Ekandare. Is that right? From Comcast. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks, brother. Thanks for coming on today. You guys have a new Wi-Fi router that is coming out to all the advanced users out there that it makes a difference with. I'm excited about this. Let's talk about it today. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we're excited as well. So this thing here, I mean, people take don't really understand. Many people don't understand how that information goes across the Internet, how it comes into the router. All they know is generally, okay, I got my kid playing upstairs on the Xbox. Maybe they've got the virtual reality glasses on. I'm watching a movie, but why aren't things working well? And every year, it seems you guys keep coming out with new products to really make that a seamless environment inside. So you're not waiting for something to download. Yeah, no, you're right. So one of the things that's been, it's been interesting, right? Like we've all spent the past two years at home. And one of the things that we realized a couple of years ago was the importance of just the in-home network before we even all were quarantined. And then that really got accentuated because now everybody's home all the time. There wasn't a break where, you know, you didn't notice some of the issues that may have been happening in the past. And so we, we took, you know, different approaches, at least from, from a Comcast perspective, to try and address that. The one piece of it was the network. We had to make sure that the network had capacity because now instead of one person being home, you know, four hours in the evening before they go to bed, you have four people in the average American home all day going to school, Zoom, working, teams, all from the same space. So there was work that we did on the capacity on the network side to be able to augment that and support that. And what we're here to talk about was on our devices side, we needed to make sure that our devices were capable of supporting multi-user interfaces within the customer home. Absolutely. And there's this new Wi-Fi out there that's this uh, new 6E standard that's coming out. And this is just going to give us a lot more bandwidth, correct, that we can continue using those those kind of high bandwidth devices that we've got. Maybe we're on a, a Zoom call or a Teams meeting where somebody's doing online gaming. And, and of course, we've got all these streaming services where, you know, I'm using my TVs in my house. I don't have cables that go to my TVs anymore. I'm using your system that's wireless. So I've got three TVs in the house that aren't hooked up to a coax cable, but it's still using that whole system. That's right. So, like, interestingly, the Wi-Fi 6E is an important piece of what's happening in the Wi-Fi ecosystem. This is probably the biggest improvement in Wi-Fi in the last 30 years. So just to give people context, when when Wi-Fi was initially became a standard, we had the 2.4 gig band and the 5 gigahertz band. Most people are familiar with that. Mm -hmm. They were limited to 600 megahertz, right? Recently, with working with the FCC and our teams, they've been able to actually get approval for us to use 6 gigahertz, which adds another 1,200. So imagine being on a a two-lane highway, and now you have a six-lane highway that you're able to take advantage of. And so there's a lot of value in just being able to leverage Wi-Fi 60. And you're going from cruising around in that uh, Geo Metro to the Ferrari as well on that six-lane highway. Well, for me, it's a Honda Accord, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, it's just it's just that, you know, living in Philadelphia, one of the things that's interesting is I always tell people, imagine being able to move from point A to point B without the congestion of rush hour traffic. That's really what it is, is I'm opening up yeah. a lane that you can put your car on and drive and there's nobody else on that lane or it's limited traffic on that lane at this point in time. Yeah, it's to me, it's so amazing with, you know, I've always got a test bed going in my house of different stuff from cameras to, you know, switches to everything else in there. And, you know, as technology goes, I'm noticing every year it's like, wow, okay, I need a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You know, the TV that you're streaming all of a sudden, wow, now you're watching 4K video, which uses a ton more, and you're seeing 8K getting teased. And if you don't have that wide highway, you're going to be in trouble because there's a lot more data coming downstream. That's right. That's right. So data consumption within the home has increased to probably where we didn't foresee this happening. Right? I mean, one of the, I always make a joke that in my house, there are four people that live in my house. There are 47 connected devices and only two people have jobs. And, and the two people that have jobs aren't the ones with the most connected devices. It's the two people that don't have jobs. Um, and so, you know, they're getting gifts from grandmom, uncles, aunties, and even from mom and dad that they're leveraging every day and at the same time. So, you know, my oldest son is a gamer and he'll be on his, on his uh, MacBook, on his phone talking to his friends while he's checking something else out on his on his uh, on his watch. So he's, he's got multiple things that he's connected to all the time. And it's just incredible. Well, and coming down the road, a great example, there's that new home connectivity alliance that was announced at CES, where now you've got brands are going to start working together. So you've got competitors like Samsung, they're going to team up with GE and Electrolux and American Standard and Train. So now you're going to have, not only are you going to have your appliances and stuff in your house that are talking together, but you're going to have cross brands going too. And so again, that's just another thing that's going to be taking up more, more space on that highway for you. So you want to make sure that you've got that set in because there's nothing more frustrating than sitting there going, waiting, downloading. And over the last year, it's been great because I was really worried about with, you know, all the kids doing homeland schooling and, and stuff like that. It worked well, but man, you guys did a great job. And I have to hats off to you guys for keeping that moving and having enough bandwidth to start with. You know, nobody plans a pandemic, but hats off to keeping that keeping that ball moving so we can all work. No, man, th- we appreciate it. I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's a, a lot of great people here that took it personal when we all had to work from home because much of all of our work over the past two years has happened from our homes as well. And in order to facilitate that, you know, we, we, we live and breathe what our customers live and breathe. So we utilize our services. And so it's important for us that we're testing things before it becomes a bottleneck for the customers, but the team has done a fantastic job in really pulling things together to be able to support and deliver. That's great. And we're going to start seeing products coming out now, Right, they're going to start using that six gigahertz that we're going to start seeing. So, because the the high capacity stuff's going to need that, you'll probably start seeing what televisions and all that kind of you know gaming systems and stuff down the road. There's going to be you know virtual reality. We'll be able to take advantage of of, of this. So VR is coming. Um, you know yep. VR has been around for a bit, but you'll really be able to take advantage of the bandwidth. Um, and to your point, you know. There's new technology out there. There are devices out there today. There are over 11 devices out there that are commercially available today that customers can go and buy and utilize on 6E. So it's not a pie in the sky or we're waiting for it to come. 
You go get a new phone today. You can get one that's 6E capable today and utilize it within your home. And so there's a ton of value there. And that's great. And that makes a big difference when you're working from home, too, because if you've got that capability and maybe you don't have the best cell towers in your neighborhood. I know my house when I'm sitting here, I've got two bars and uh, it's just what it is because of the trees and the forest and everything else around me. Makes a big difference to have that call quality when you come in. It doesn't sound like you're out in the woods someplace. All right, man. Is there anything else we've missed on this? This is going to be rolling out over the next few months, it sounds like. It is. It is. We're excited about it. Um, we're going to be rolling it out, uh, you know, hopefully in the beginning of Q2 to, to customers. Um, we're really, really tickled at, at what this device brings, really building on the legacy of our previous generation gateways to really provide the best in class home service um, to our customers. You know, at the end of the day, we ourselves are users and customers of the product, and we believe that um, we need to make sure we continue to deliver what our customers expect from us. So very excited. Kunle, thanks for coming on today, man. I appreciate it and looking forward to seeing that that out in my living room. Hey, thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Around the house, I'll be right back. Hi everybody, I'm Ari Kameen from Steven Adler's band and you are listening to Around the House with Eric G and the beautiful Caroline. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. We're talking DIY this weekend. And Caroline, this is an important one. Doing some of those big cleaning projects around the house and there's some kind of tricks and tips that I think make the job easier and to kind of help you along the way. And this is a good time to do vacuum clean out. Vacuum is huge. As an indoor air quality professional, I can't stress enough the importance of getting your vacuum serviced and cleaned. And you can do this yourself. It's a little time consuming. You've got to take the different parts off and we'll talk about that. Well, let's talk about an upright and then we'll talk about Eric's got a, um, I call it the, you know, a mobile unit, a floor unit. I got um, a robot back. A remote unit. A robot back. But it. when you're doing an upright, you're going to have the wheels, right? You're going to sometimes mm-hmm. they need to be cleaned out. The hair gets all twisted around the wheels. Then you've got the belts that usually have to be changed. And if you're going to pull it apart, you might as well might as well change your belt at that time, right? It just makes sense. And then you've it got does. the brushes. And that all has to be disconnected. They you pull them off. You got to wash them. I usually do, you know, some soap and water and get all the hair and gunk and there's powder in there and every kind of dust debris gets all up in there. So wear a mask if you have allergies because you're definitely going to be having itchy eyes and nose. So put a mask on and clean that all out and make sure you replace your bags and you should have a bag and then also a HEPA filter. So make sure that's changed. HEPA filters you should change every six months. Bags, I don't want you to let them get all the way full. So usually half, and I know that sort of sounds wasteful and people don't want to do it. But the problem is with these vacuums, they're not hermetically sealed. So all of that dust and debris starts popping out the inside of the bag when you get too much stuff in there. So my rule is always half full at least. And then if you open up that canister and you see all of this debris outside the bag, guess what? You know that your bag's not doing the job properly. So you need to fill it less. You got to make sure you get high quality bags too, because those cheap bags tend to not seal around very well. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. That cardboard rips. I mean, it's just no. half those bags are just a cardboard piece that goes around a tube and it's just tension fit. If you're going with it, if you have an allergy or you have people in the house who have allergies or you have pets, you need to go with a self-contained or a sealed system. They have little gaskets that attach, you know, they're, so your bag fits on much tighter than you would if you had like one of the, you know, the paper bags that Eric's talking about. But, you know, there's some good vacuums. I like, I'll give a couple brands out so people can check them out. We're not being paid yeah. for this, though we should be. Mealy or Mila <laughs> makes a really good vacuum. I also like SIBO mm -hmm. is a company out of Germany that makes an excellent vacuum. So with this sealed system, making sure you always have a HEPA filter, making sure that, you know, when you open up that canister, you're not seeing all that debris in there. You shouldn't see it. That means you're not cleaning well, and that's getting back out into your environment. So it's a waste, right? You're vacuuming and then throwing it back out. There. Oh, yeah. So I've got one of the uh, LG robot vacs, one of the ThinQ robot vacs. And I've had it for a year now. It's done really well. Um, they've made it so it's pretty easy to clean out. Now, the secret in my house, because I have, I use it on my first floor, which is 100% hardwood flooring there. So there's no mm -hmm. other finish there. So it's great at picking up the dust, the uh, dog hair, because we've got three dogs and it grabs that. And we run it every day nice. at least once. And I fill up the little mini canister in that thing where it's at least 50% full every day when we vacuum. So explain, there's two crazy. systems with, yeah, there's two systems with that robot vac, right? You can just collect it in the actual vacuum itself, or there, there are the systems where it pulls into a port and it dumps into this giant Bin. Yeah, that's more of what the Samsung think? or some of the other brands have that. This one here just has a little canister. It's oh, it's probably like the size of a, a quart of paint. You know what I mean? That's a canister on that. And then you can just hmm. pop the bottom open. It drops right off into your trash and you can do that. There's a uh, there's a HEPA filter on the top of it that they make that I love because it's it's made of fabric hmm. on the outside. So it's washable. So you can actually wash out and they give you two of them so you can cycle them through. So you don't have to be nice. throwing away those things. It works really well. Um, so when you have to clean that, what's the maintenance on the robot vac? Super it's not easy. Have belts. Yeah, it doesn't have belts. It's direct drive. So there's no belt to it. But literally there's a clip and I can pull that whole brush assembly out by a flick of one clip. So just clip and the whole thing comes off my hand, which nice. is great. And so then you can get any of the hair or stuff out of it that way. And then the vacuum piece comes out. What I do is I just take it outside probably once a month with my air hose. and I blow the thing out, put a mask yeah. on, go outside, blow it out with some high pressure air just to clean out any of that stuff. And it works awesome. And there's literally no problem with that. How about Julie? She has long hair. So I tell people like I have long hair too. And that gets all entangled up in your wheels. It gets in your brushes and then the things stop working properly. So is that an issue with that too? Do you have to watch if it gets They've designed up in the it so brush? it doesn't really tangle up hair and I don't know why, but That's it nice. does not tangle up one. hair because I think it's direct drive and I don't know. I wonder if it reverses the brush back. You know what I mean? Because mm. it's not, the mm -hmm. brush is on a different, you know, kind of system than just the motor. Many times it's the motor spinning that's creating the vacuum, the suction, and the belt runs off that to the brush. But when you're direct drive, now you can control it different, like, differently because it's that's got its nice. own drive system. It's not 
directed off of that. So it's got a turbo mode. It's got a, you know, depending on what you want to do um, for cleaning. So if you've got thick carpet, you can put it on the turbo mode to give you extra suction to get stuff out of the bottom of the carpet, which is really cool. So the only, I mean, downside is that I'm a big tools person, right? I think that you should vacuum your couches, vacuum fabric, making sure you're doing your shades and all of that stuff because that dander accumulates in our houses and causes our bodies to get all this inflammation. So you do need something, either an upright or you need something that's going to have your tools to be able to do all your other, you know, your accessories that are needed to do your furniture and stuff like that. Because what do you do with the See, robot all our bag? furniture is leather, so we just... Nice. Wipe it down. Leather cloth. Wipe it down. And on our first floor, we don't have blinds on that because it's all contemporary finished. We literally don't have blinds down there because it's we're out in the woods. So we have no blinds in those rooms. So there's nothing to clean there as well. (laughs) But if you do, then you need your accessories and tools to make sure you can do your. You got it. You know, surfaces. Now, I got a I got a cleaning hack here for you. You know how you, you know, so many people make their coffee, they put it in the, in the metal mug, whatever their metal travel mug is that they take it, or even they make their tea, yeah. right? They take it off, they take it to work, they go on the road trip, whatever with it. But you know how inside of those things get nasty? Like the coffee starts to it build gets up. Really, and, <laughs> it gets really nasty. And you're like, it's stainless steel. How is it sticking to it? It's still there, right? It's still there. Mm-hmm. It just starts to get darker. Maybe if you forgot it in your car over the weekend or at your office over the weekend, now you got a little line on the inside that you can't really get out of there. And somebody like me with big hands, I really can't get all the way down into the tall ones to get them cleaned out. So here is my hack for doing this. Now, pay attention to the steps on this because it does make a difference. So what I do is I get the water out of my faucet going really hot, right? Or if I've got an instant hot where I'm going to make tea or something, I heat the water up without it. And I fill that up so there's all the way up to the top of that. Just so there's a little room so I can drop in one of the dishwasher pods. Yes, you can put detergent in there as well, but I drop one of the pods in there because that's what my dishwasher is designed for. So I have one. So I drop it in there. I tighten the lid up, but I leave the lid open because the enzymes as they grow and eat are going to create, are going to off gas a little bit. So you don't want to create this pressure condition that you've got like 30 (laughs) PSI inside this thing and you blow the top off. (laughs) And I say this because I learned that lesson the hard way. And my first time doing this, I, I snapped down the (laughs) lid on it. And like an hour later, I hear this. (laughs) What was that? I'm like, what spilled on the countertop? And it literally kicked out. Like half a cup on the countertop, and I'm like, okay, good to know. That didn't work. So make sure you keep that open. And I just set it up on the windowsill where maybe it gets some sun, and I just keep it up there for the day, maybe overnight. Every time I go in and I rinse it out really well because it's overly soaked in there, I tell you what, that'll it looks factory new on the inside. But Caroline, I hear that music in the background. You know what that means? We're out of time today. Make sure you guys catch us up on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Around the House Nation, Around the House Show. We want to hear your questions. We want to know what you want us to talk about. So get on there and talk to us. We'll answer you back. You got it. Well, I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around Around the the House. House.
Hey, it's Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.